Hello. Yo. Hello. We're back. We're back. Hello. 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 Hello, <laughs> hello there, yeah. children. I'm glad that everybody here was uh, super stoked on the, or anybody in the chat is stoked on the drum and bass. Um, that's usually, people said the old fools are my favorite sound cause. They just rip old tapes that were played on like pirate radio and in clubs. And um, yeah, definitely check that channel out. That's usually, if you are ever curious about a jungle song that I played, it was probably one of the recent mixes from this channel. So, um, oh yeah. So let's, uh, I guess, just get into it. <laughs> CPF versus reality. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, we, we've had a lot of discussions about this, um, you know, as a community in our chats when we've worked on CTFs together or when we've, um, you know, made them for various purposes. Um, there's just a lot of debate and discussion about how people feel about CTFs. And I kind of just wanted to open it up and say, yo, um, I guess we can just talk a little bit about let's probably start off with like the format that most ctfs are played in which is one of my biggest gripes i guess with ctfs generally is the jeopardy style of uh where you just have a bunch of challenges and you click the challenge and you get a binary or you get given a, a url or something like that mm -hmm. um th that style of format i feel like is obviously you know compared to the real world uh you're not handed, you know, the, 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 usually on that link, you'll either get at least the, the title of the CTF will give you a hint of what to do or, uh, or something like in, in, in that case. And in that, in that, when you put it in the format of Jeopardy um, taken away from the real world, you sort of know what you are going into or you can guess what you're going into, um, especially mm -hmm. if you've played a few. Whereas in the real world, there's no like guessing of like what this is. Like you just you're in an open like it's like gta open world you just like go around and find a car to steal you know um yeah and then the, you have to identify it yourself as opposed to being handed something to work on as a counterpoint um if you're using ctfs as learning platform as opposed to like real life whatever it is then um jeopardy style can be really friendly for that because it gives people like the ability to choose between different categories and different levels of difficulty. And it's like more accessible for people who are coming in than like, here's an IP, there's a box there, go to town. Oh, definitely. Like the being given, um, you know, the starting point as well is I guess where a person needs to take that and say, um, okay, so I've learned this thing from this challenge where, and then be able to then later down the track when they're in the real world on a job doing whatever, identify it's like hey this is like this challenge as opposed to mm -hmm. like i follow the steps that i followed before you know so when we ian you brought up using it for learning experiences how many of you guys here use ctfs to try to learn a specific concept i definitely have um but that's not always what i go in it for um i'm curious to see what anybody else here has, has an opinion on and what you have learned specifically um from ctfs yeah, I I've uh, I like it because a lot of the time, like right, there's so much uh, just stuff that you could like look at and go try to learn. But um, for me, it just gives like it's nice that it gives you one specific thing that you're trying to learn at like at that given point in time. So it kind mm -hmm. of like gives you direction for like a thing to to learn instead of just kind of being like oh, like what random like thing we're gonna try to research today and. Mm -hmm. so, I like 
having being sat down and like given a thing to to learn it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's nice so as a learning tool like in that scenario then it's more like almost like a puzzle or like an activity kind of thing where you have a specific thing and then it also has an end goal which is i think one of the things that a lot of people who have complained about ctfs um not being as you know real world kind of thing is your real world things like pen tests um and even just regular application assessments you don't always have an end goal i mean your goal might be to like you know root the domain controller but that's not always in, in scope or not always realistic from what your standpoint is but or it, it could, could not be the end goal like you might then go well how do i maintain persistence how do i exfiltrate mm -hmm. data how do i have so on and so forth you know yeah and so i think that definitely one of the values of ctfs is that it does give you a marker to say okay i captured the flag that was my goal um and i think that that it i mean it's it's hard because there's people that i know that have have you know looked at uh like say hack the box to learn how to pen test um and while you can learn a lot of the techniques for pen testing through hack the box i mean the actual sort of like oh, I, I think a lot of people's techniques i guess it, it doesn't train you, I guess, as much as you would might think, because I've seen stuff, you know, if you go on hack the box, uh, any hack the box, right, that is being used by a lot of people, you type W, it's like 4,000 people logged in, it's like WW data, like, you know, so, um, but then you'll start seeing weird stuff, you'll be like, okay, why is there like a, why is netcat.exe on this Linux machine, like, why is like, you know, this, old exploit like the people that are trying like kernel exploits and compiling them and wasting so much time putting you know like source code and downloading it from some remote server onto this and just trying that you know it's just i feel like sometimes that kind of stuff when there is a goal of that then the goal might also blind your ability to think critically when you just want to get it done you know because like, yeah, again in the real world you're not going to just blast dirty cow at every single port you know like or, I feel like the thing that screwed me up the most when I went from CTF playing to actual pen testing was not the lack of end goal. It was the fact that not everything had a way in. Yeah. So like, for example, like one of the methods, uh, I remember this challenge where it was uh, two disk images that were part of, a, I think, a RAID 5 or I think it was RAID 5 or 8. And the idea was that you were supposed to uh, create loopback address, uh, loopback devices, mount the images, recreate the RAID array, and then you would have access to the file system, mount that, and then you have you can find the flag on the file system. Um, my solution, because I already knew the flag format, was literally like like cat strings grep fl like flag prefix, and it all came out of one image, and it took about you know three seconds. Um, whereas if you had gone through the whole process, you would have learned about how do I, you know, what do these two disk images look like? How do they go together? Blah, blah, blah. So, so on and so forth. How do I use this thing in Linux to mount like loopback disks and all kinds of special, um, like dev devices, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's like but on the designer, right? Like that's the thing is like, for me, the one thing about CTS is that going into it, like I've. I haven't like played that many, but like it's very obvious to me like which ones are done very very well, and which ones like aren't. And yeah, uh, the real problem is that there's no way to know like how how a CTF is from like one of the problems for me is like I don't know how well CTF is designed going in. You guys have to like go look at it, like set aside that amount of time to play, 
and then if it's not then you know free up your schedule and go do whatever um but yeah it's disappointing sometimes to get into a ctf and it being a real like bummer (laughs) if you do enough of them eventually you start knowing the people who design them and you start being like oh that one's probably pretty good because so and so designed it yeah for sure definitely and that's like um as well the, the the pattern of a lot of the uh challenges are often the same like if i have to solve one more goddamn caesar cipher like it, there's a very set way to do that and i don't think i've ever seen like you know a caesar cipher that's not straight up like you know rot 13 or whatever um ever like no like nobody's out there like writing caesar ciphers in their applications yeah or even rot 13 i mean no one i don't really if, if anybody like was like oh here's how i'm protecting like the password it's rot 13 i'd be like are you fucking serious <laughs> like i will guarantee you i will guarantee you i've done i've done code review on someone that used rot 13 with aes with a static key and i was able to do like a, a like join um the, to get the to get the aes key and then use like functions in the sql to like just give me the actual results back i was like as you can see, this is like one SQL injection blew your whole thing to shit. Like, please put this in the bin, get rid of this whole thing. And like, that was real life. It was horrible. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes definitely truth is stranger than fiction in that kind of regard. Um, double zoring and all sorts of things. <laughs> double zoring. Um, so all, all the, uh, the, you know, there are some certain cases where that is something that happens. And I definitely think that, you know, being able to think really outside of the box is useful but it's um i don't know it's it's one of those things where it's depending on i guess your goal and how you want to learn and and how you think it it's you know it's kind of up to the designer as um, you guys are saying and definitely take yeah. it, like to kind of follow people that are and be a part of ctfs that are going to be more creative um with their challenges i think that one of the things that i remember distinctly um about doing um a hack the box reversing challenge was I had gone through all the steps of it. I analyzed it. I figured it out. And it was, uh, what was it? It was, it was following a, a USB PCAP um, of a mouse and it, it sent out um, the called coordinate data, like on the um, like encoded coordinate data for the screen. And when you traced it out, it spelled out the flag, but I had done this exact challenge on a Google CTF before. And I was like, huh, like when I got to the point where I was looking at the encoded data, I was like, this is the exact method that was used in a thing that I had already done. And like, yeah, I mean, that's a really cool thing to reverse um, is, you know, captured stuff like that. But it is definitely challenging to come up with new ways to do something like this that isn't already been done before. Um, Because it takes a lot of time to R&D that kind of stuff. And then once you finally do and it gets out, then people are going to want to obviously take that and modify it. And so it's, it's yeah, I feel like there definitely just needs to be people that are, you know, contributing more to these kinds of things, because I think that in some cases, there's a lot of the same people doing it um, in various scenarios. You reminded me of another challenge that was interesting, but not, I would be very surprised to see it in the, like extremely surprised to see it in the real world. And it was a method of communication uh, using ICMP packets that was uh, like the direction of the packet um, so each packet was a bit and they were obviously in sequence. And then like, if the bit, if the packet was, uh, from two or two from, it would be, um, you know, on or off. And that was, and then it spelled out the flag in ASCII afterwards. 
like I, I don't ever see that like that was an interesting challenge it was you know we we solved it we got the flag or whatever but it wasn't i don't ever see that being a real thing you know yeah i definitely yeah. think some of the, the more interesting stuff is stuff that is based on real world things especially things that are based on what malware does like especially like um really nicely written malware um and i don't know i feel like that kind of stuff needs to i, I feel like we just see more malware devs making um ctfs but it's kind of hard to contact them sometimes yeah, there was um, so one to switch it up a little bit. The one of those CTFs I played in, there was by far the best CTF I've ever played in, was uh, an attack defend, um, and that was like legit strong, sweating, don't go to sleep because we'll lose, like more Red Bull kind of deal, um, and it was uh you know a closed network of I think six boxes and um, a game server. And every 10 minutes, the flags rotated and you had to keep six services running and you lost points for the services going down. Um, and so then you'd have to analyze your own. So I think we had an hour to analyze the code. Each one was written in a different language, um, like Java, PHP, um, Python and something else. And we had to keep them running. And there was so many vulnerabilities in each one um, that you could only patch so many. So we're sitting there patching our stuff and we split the team up so there was guys patching those guys um you know analyzing looking for uh, and, and and writing exploits um to to retrieve the flags and then there was people who were automating that as well um and then other people looking at our incoming network traffic going hey this bug that we're not using yet has been is being used against us so then straight away someone's got to patch it so that the other team stops uh, scoring and then now we keep that in our arsenal and wait for other people to like, you know, to use one exploit at a time, wait for them to wait for them to patch. Um, and once they've our exploit stops working against that team, like switch up to the next one. Um, and one of the strategies we used in that as well, was really interesting was uh, crashing the service at the end. So the, the last command in the exploit would uh, purposely crash the service to make the other teams lose points. And so that it would also prevent other teams scoring points um, because the team that we just crashed had to get their stuff back up. And that was like, you know, white knuckle CTF. I thought that was like super fun. And the fact that all these services were code that you'd never seen before. Um, they're not, you know, a couple hundred lines each kind of deal, not like a lot of code, but you had to analyze code you'd never seen. You had to attack things you've never seen. Um, you had to guess what other, other teams were doing. It was a, a real mind game at the same time. And compare like, but that's not accessible, I think, for most people who are getting into CTFs or most people who are playing like easy Jeopardy CTFs. It's you gotta build up before you can sort of get involved with that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's worth mentioning that um CTF like a lot of CTFing stuff and a lot of um you know, like real world stuff. Like there are different skill sets, and that's that's completely fine. Like it, it doesn't have to one doesn't have to reflect the other necessarily. Um, but it is nice when you do, you know, when you're able to take away something from a, a CTF, just, uh, you know, and apply that somewhere in the real world as well. Yeah. And I think like some of the things that you can, you can bring into it as well is when you have a team, um, on the, on a CTF team, like somebody's good at binary stuff. Someone's good at like reading PCAP. Somebody's good at, uh, web bugs, you know, and you sort of, bounce off at those people and be like oh like you know rather than just getting somebody who only does web bugs to do only the web bugs you know you can learn from them as well 
and it's that little bit of explanation you get from someone who knows what they're talking about to come back to you, I guess. Um, and then obviously sharing what you know with other people. Yeah, I definitely think the team aspect is, is really important. Um, I've only really done that a couple of times, um, but it's always been really awesome because you can have people focusing on different aspects of things and calling people specific skills. Because I mean, I'm definitely terrible at a lot of different things um, in, in regards to CDFs and in, in general. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's definitely good to, to have that kind of stuff where you know each of the strengths you can play off of that, like any other sport. Now, for something like what we're talking about, I guess, I feel like this might be a little bit of shit talking about CTF, so I kind of wanted to, you know, discuss some of the more positive things we can can say about it. So, um, I still want to open this question to, like, everybody here, as well as everybody in the chat. Um, what makes a good CTF? What makes a good challenge for you as a, as a player? Hmm. I like, yeah, I like when things are just esoteric enough that stuff that I haven't like necessarily seen or like heard about too much before. Um, but there's like there's a foothold, right? That and, like it kind of like generally leads you down a thing, and uh, just as long I feel like as long as the CTFs have like varied enough categories, not you know it's not like ten like reversing and like 10 cryptography challenges like that's that's kind of like my ideal thing that foothold thing is something i appreciate as well like obviously they're not meant to be easier like immediately solvable but i think it gets extremely frustrating with some challenges when you have like no clue and then it's just like two steps and you finished it yeah like i i'm terrible at crypto like i'm not gonna lie my math is horrible and i suck um but when I get a question, like when I when I a question, when I get a challenge that is a crypto challenge, um, I like them to be, you know, because that is something I am bad at, that I want it to be something that my takeaway is I can evaluate it in the real world. So for example, um the I was talking about it last week, it was actually a, a the part of the CTF badge on Pentesa Lab was um uh, ECDSA key. Um and so in the real world, if I come across that scenario again, um, I'm not going to try and break it. I'm not going to try and build a, you know, forge of, um, a forge of verified, you know, ECDSA signature and sign my own thing. But what I will be able to do is when I'm looking at it, detect that that exists, know why it's bad, what can be done with it. Like if it's super bad, then maybe I would use that again in the real world, but it's very unlikely, um, that I would go ahead and, and actually try and exploit it, but I would definitely use it as like, hey, this is a thing that is broken in an application um, that needs addressing. So like that knowledge, I guess, is uh, is what you're really after. That's the, that's the that's the whole key. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that a lot. That's the question. The matrix chat just said that most um, good CTF is being able to teach. Um, you know, teach myself whatever the task at hand is. I feel like CTFs are good at teaching yourself to teach, um, or at teaching you to teach. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something that like I've I definitely feel comes with everything. You know that we that we do as uh, people that 
like to play around with stuff because that's a skill that needs to be built in a lot of people that isn't always as innate as we might think it is but teaching yourself how to teach yourself stuff and also teaching yourself how you actually learn I think it's one of the most valuable things that I've gotten from CTFs because I've approached certain things in a completely wrong way and screwed it up and gotten so frustrated. And then I come back a little bit later, you know, maybe months later um, after having learned other stuff and then realize that I need to teach myself in, you know, teach myself this in one way or another. Cause like there are certain things that I try to approach that I, that I get super overwhelmed by, especially crypto, as you're saying, math and crypto stuff screws me up so badly um but if i sit and actually like write out code for something it makes better sense than a giant scary equation or something right so menstrual uh menstrual in the chat who actually won besides brisbane ctf solo last weekend congratulations um he said bugs that make sense and not guesswork which like if you put uh if you put a hash into um a CTF and you expect me to like hashcat break it. Like I'm not getting those points. I don't give a shit. Like I can, I can run hashcat and so can everyone else here. It's not very hard. Please don't make us do that. That's the horrible challenges. Yeah, no, it's true. And a lot of people in the chat are saying that good CTF should be a learning experience, even for veterans. Um, I definitely agree with that. I think that like things that are just sort of, I mean, I like I said, reusing one of the, the hack the bucks challenges was like kind of annoying because I had already seen it but it's if somebody that's somebody's first experience with you know the fact that like USB PCAP even exists you know those are <laughs> those are things that like if you somebody is taking away something and learning something from it that is a positive thing so I definitely support it but yeah I definitely think that like uh, the different levels of CTFs like, as you get higher up in the challenges if you're doing some sort of sequential challenge um, it definitely should be a learning experience for somebody and have to teach somebody something. And I think that the other aspect of that too is that a good CDF has to be like reasonably solvable. Um, like there's some stuff, like one of the things that I, I've had, the, my, my biggest personal gripe about OSCP is that there's stuff in there that you would have been able to solve because you would have had the ability to access certain packages that you can't access anymore. I had to go on and figure out what um, how to get Oracle stuff um, to try to compile something because I couldn't get some Perl thing that I was trying to test out. And when you have to start doing stuff like that, when you're like, like when there's no like clean way to solve it because like your compiler won't even work. I mean, it would be good for something that's really, you know, esoteric and something really, really strange. But if you're like trying to do something where you're like, oh yeah, break into this thing, but also you have to like, spin up a really old Linux distribution just to compile the exploit kind of thing sucks. Yeah, like there's something that requires like GCC2 and you're like, oh, well, I can't build that build environment in a reasonable amount of time. Um, <laughs> it's just not happening. Yeah, I mean, there are certain scenarios where that is perfectly reasonable and perfectly valid. Um, but yeah, there's some things that are just kind of old and they get frustrating when you have to try to solve them with, you know, it's not like 10, 15 years ago when this would have been a lot easier. Yeah, uh, like Parity just said as well, uh, hashcat challenges require tools to gain advantage, paid versus free. Like, yeah, pay, it, like if you can uh, get an advantage over having access to specific tools, like that's not a, 
not a very like you know paid access to a specific tool set that's that's a bit different as well yeah the only reason that i got the oracle stuff was because i had a login to enterprise oracle stuff because of my work so <laughs> way i was able to get like <laughs> some other tools yeah that using metasploit because i wasn't going to just do that yeah i think that's another interesting thing as well is uh if you can solve a challenge with Metasploit on a CTF, like should you? Yeah, I really try not to, and I, I get kind of frustrated when I see that people are only doing that. I see like a lot of failed interpreters, like you know, the interpreter graveyard of slash temp. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of frustrating to see because you're just like, well, you, you know, you got it on the system, but you're just doing this like hail mary of you know attacks that we're just trying to, or you see that people are you know doing that in general when you're running your own um, CTF. Actually, when our last um, chat challenge CTF, I have um, TCP dumps of all the traffic, and um, people were definitely checking plates on there. I'll have to send it to Greenoise or something, because <laughs> there's a lot of really funny stuff in there. Somebody was connecting um, and trying to stream um, Windows Media Player playlists to it, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the deal was, but yeah, people have tried to definitely use there's, there's signatures and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. also, the thing that I, I get kind of frustrated with, too, is that when, when it's something in the real world, like, I mean, yeah, if you're doing, like, a controlled pen test and you're trying to break into something, using interpreter, I guess, is fine. But every single antivirus and every single IDS will have signatures for interpreter, what it looks like on the wire, what it looks like when Metasploit is sending it over. And it just seems like... I don't know when you when you try to like learn how to use those sort of like really prepackaged modules and things like that. If you're really trying to own something, you're, that's not going to get you in, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of attackers who are not in a you know time constrained uh, pen test engagement um, may not be using Meterpreter as well. Uh, is the other thing like I mean, you want to be able to. Um, understand what you're doing and not rely heavily on yeah what if interpreter went away tomorrow would you still right. be a hacker i mean <laughs> and you want to do what makes sense in the context that you're in like occasionally i'll have people ask me questions about like you using, using interpreter in a kubernetes cluster which like doesn't make any sense right. <laughs> and then, like if the only thing you have is a hammer everything's going to look like a nail but like really everything isn't a nail so it's like you know important to understand Definitely, the definitely situation that you're in. I think as well, like when you're doing those challenges, if you're writing um, whatever language you feel comfortable writing the most is, is an important thing as well. So, you know, if you're writing uh, like a little script that's in bash, that's fine. If you're, if you're comfortable, if you think that's the quickest way you can do it and, and whatever, but it'll also help your, your programming skills at the same time, because if you have to do something you haven't done before in like Python or Ruby or whatever, um, you know, that's just, that's the extra part of learning that is not exactly related to the challenge mm -hmm. uh, or not, you know, it's the developing, actually taking something away that maybe is not like directly in front of you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's important to learn, like, not just like singular, like bugs or like, you know, I mean, that's good too, but like to develop a greater idea of what it is you're looking at and like how to look at things as a whole, right? Like kind of, um, the higher, like the more abstract lesson you can learn from something, the better that you can apply to more situations. Learning to learn.
yeah. creating mental models, etc. I think Jillis. Oh, what? Sorry. I was going to say Jillis is saying in chat as well, or try to solve them in a different way. Um, it's true. Like there's more than one way to skin a cat. In a lot of computer riddles, there is not more than one way to skin a cat. Um, but if you do find another one, then you might just root the box by accident. Um, <laughs> you know, there's uh, <laughs> like having that outside thinking is, is what you're going to really need when you move away from CTF land and, and move into the, to the real land, you know? Well, and I feel like that's where it comes in with the challenges that give you something that's very strange, but also give you kind of a foothold into it, is it gets you practice with doing that reaching outside of what you're used to looking at. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that a good CTF will make you want to make your own way to solve something. I mean, I feel like one of the, the stuff that inspires me a lot, like I, I've written, I, I, I don't know if everyone does this, but I have definitely written quite a few custom like RFI or LFI or command injection through whatever weird means fake shells in Python. That's like something I always do. Um, but when you, I guess, I don't know, I, I started out doing it to practice, just developing my own tools and I was doing CTS and stuff, but it turned into like a habit. And I feel like if you start doing enough of this kind of puzzle i guess you start to be able to develop your own tools and learn new techniques that will expand on those tools which is eventually what makes something like metasploit like you know an actual product by, by just doing that over and over again but um yeah i definitely feel like really good ctfs that i've that i've done have made me make my own tools and write them like i remember you did that um dnz when we were doing what ctf was that Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. The one where okay, you wrote so that crazy tool. <laughs> all right, all right. This, this is actually, it also happened to me. I did the same thing for uh, DEFCON Qualls, um, like, I don't know, five years ago or something, ages ago. Um, so, all right, so you have this uh, this grid, that, and you get the grid coordinates from a Telnet um, server, and, it, and there's one spot on the grid that is a taken square. You then need to fill the square with, um, <laughs> sorry, fill the grid, by using um like uh like like angle um shapes so like uh one uh one coordinate the coordinate below and the and a coordinate to any other side and you can rotate that in any way that you want um and then you needed to programmatically respond to the server and do and, and fill it fill it up with and fill every single uh grid position and work around that one place that is already taken at the, that is randomized every time you hit the port. And so I ended up writing a, <laughs> a client um, in Python that drew the entire grid with like box drawing characters and then filled them up and like iterated over the whole thing. And I actually didn't even solve the challenge, but I spent like ages um, writing that, uh, writing that crazy tool. Um, and the other one, the DEF CON one was actually 3d chess. You had to win, 20 consecutive games of 3D chess uh, with a Tollnet client. So I ended up writing the client and working on it right. with um, like Ugly Packets and a couple of other guys. And Ugly Packets will have a really good story about how uh, I lost track of my Python code. And uh, if you have a drink with that guy, ask him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, so that's one of the things that I put in the, in the notes about the rabbit that was wanted for sending us all down a bunch of rabbit holes. I definitely think that rabbit holes um, are 
the biggest challenge for people that really like to solve puzzles, but sometimes just get on the wrong track. Um, because things are, you know, obviously going to be red herrings and things just like they are in the real world, which I think is something that is one of the most realistic aspects of CDFs is time management skills, which I have none. So when I, you know, try to approach a problem and then I'm suddenly realized that I'm also like writing some framework or reading like some way obscure Wikipedia a page about something or some old pdf that i found it's it takes up a lot of time and it's it's hard to that's one of the things that i need to learn personally better when i'm doing this kind of stuff but also it's something that it's definitely a teachable thing from within cps it's just how to manage your time as well as manage your projects itself better because you know a lot of the times you might miss something in your first pass of your you know going through you know, try this, try that. But I think that that stuff is like really valuable to do first, to kind of make logical guesses and then narrow it down. And sometimes people just, I have definitely a hard time with that. Sometimes I'll think, oh, I see this thing. I immediately know what this is. It's been so long and then it's just completely the wrong answer. And it was something so <laughs> stupid. By the time I've like already figured that out, I'm like so burnt out and don't even care. So that's what happened to me when I did the OSCP. So. Uh, you know what? I actually found a screenshot of uh, of that grid drawing thing, so I'll just quickly link that in the chat. Hell yeah! That was uh... yeah, yeah, this was insane. <laughs> yeah, so where that that red uh, where the red one was, that was the one that was already um, at the like when it generated the grid. That was the one that was already filled, and then it would. Yeah, you know, programmatically fill it up with uh, green little ones to try and so pretty. It. it would make a bunch of differences. That was so cool. But yeah, no, that kind of stuff, it, it 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 gets to you sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's useful when you write your own tools or you can reuse a tool you've already written to do something. It's awesome. But other times it just blows <laughs> really bad. Um, so I guess the question that I have before the last question um, is, what uh, or when have real world skills that you've done in the field um, helped you on CTFs? Like where you wouldn't know how to approach something had you not seen or done something in the real world? Has that ever happened to anybody? Straight up, I'm really good at escape rooms. Like, <laughs> like the most direct uh, benefit I think I've gotten from CTFs has been <laughs> being really good at escape rooms. Like, that's not the question that you were asking, <laughs> but like, honestly. <laughs> physical escape rooms you have to like, break out of a room yeah oh yeah i could totally see that because you start thinking all right what are the resources i have like what are the you know i only have this much time all right who can i delegate this to like yeah those are um right you have to work together and they're really puzzly so like shit actually is in rot 13 but that's not the question that you asked sorry <laughs> good answer <laughs> no, regardless that's, that's viable though because it's it i mean the translation between these things is, is sometimes not apparent to people also not apparent to companies sometimes if you say hey i'm gonna you know do some training by doing hack the box or doing you know whatever pulling about kr or being involved in some other bigger cpf um that kind of stuff i mean this this stuff definitely is viable we've definitely talked a lot of shit about it but there's um you know a lot of viable stuff for people for you know development for personal development as well as just career skill development um whether your your only takeaway was you learned how to code you know, something better in Python or that you learned 
you know, the nuances of like open SSL client or something, but still those are things that you can take away from it. Um, well, one of the things that's uh, in that attack defend that I mentioned before in preparation for it, because we, we were, you know, getting the team ready. Um, we actually wrote a Linux kernel module rootkit, a like loadable kernel module rootkit for if we owned another team, we'd be able to maintain persistence and we never ended up using it. Like it was absolutely, it never made it to the CTF because we, we didn't end up uh, needing it. Um, but like the, the offshoot of like getting ready for the CTF, um, was using our skills to like, you know, write kernel stuff and then be like, Oh, we should write a rootkit for this. And like, it was totally for, you know, there was no malicious intents or anything for the idea of it other than outside of the CTF, but the, you know, the skills that, of how to do those things had already been like sort of built up. Oh, they've been built up from years of experience in the real world, huh? Not writing rootkits, right? Writing kernel, like playing with kernel modules and screwing around with like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I get it. like, like knowing the internals of like, um, you know, like net filter and stuff, like IP tables and whatever. Being like, oh yeah, we could we could put this in like you know into the thing for the CTF, like as we're preparing. Okay, nukes of odds before Krebs hears. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my blog. Go and find it. I don't care. Read it, Krebs. You might learn something. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. No. Um, uh, the last question I have on here, um, if anybody else has anything in the chat related to that question, definitely post it. Um, but what does everybody here want to see more in CTFs? Is there anything that, you know, as a player, as a fan of the art, um, what do you want to see more in CTFs? More attack defense, straight up. Uh, more, yeah. more free domain-based ones. Hack of fantastic writing report challenges. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sync objectively. Mm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. APK file. Fantastic. Android stuff. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hardware. Like hot, like the there is a um, a CTF you can download for ESPs, I believe, and you can attack um, BLE. Yeah, the BLE one. Yeah, the BLE CTF by uh, what's his name? Heck, Dugnar. We're talking to him next week. Sweet. Ooh. On topic. I planned that. I'd <laughs> like to see more branching out into challenges that we don't see all the time, like like doing CTFs all the time. It's like. People like and people said you see the same ones over and over again, and it's like there's plenty of things that nobody writes challenges for, and there's lots of reasons for that. Like I don't want to write Kubernetes challenges either, but like it, I don't know. I feel like there's so much territory to be explored, and we keep doing the same binary exploitation ones over and over. Yeah. Execution side channel. <laughs> yeah, side I'm, channel. Side channel text. You get to write that one, friend. The uh, the Kubernetes thing is interesting because it requires the infrastructure behind it, whereas a lot of people running CTFs are just like, how can we deliver as many binaries and not get destroyed? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that would be good to see more of it's just like hurdles, right? You would be surprised how many CTFs are run on bare metal Kubernetes clusters. Interesting. Uh, someone in chat said ICS. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll be getting into I'd that. map it. What could go wrong? I think I would love to see an IoT CTF. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Also, that sounds um, great. 
if anyone likes those, go to Wild West Hackenfest because they have a whole like connected house that they do there. Yes, I heard about that. We're going to be talking to some people from from some of the that run things like that for this future challenge that we're doing. Um, again, shout out to IOTCTF at IOCTF. If you want to get involved in ours, please uh, go for it. We're going to be trying to do ICS, SCADA, and all your favorite IoT devices in one big, giant uh, death match. So it'll be fun. Or yeah, that. If you have any ideas for it, uh, let us know, and we'll help you uh, get them to us. So I always love a good uh, OSINT challenge. Yes. It's, uh, I don't see them enough. Yeah, I really, I loved the um, is it Trace Labs, I believe, that does the um, OSINT CTF. Uh, Ginsburg uh, 5150 in our chats. Um, it works with them. And they do, uh, they actually try to solve real world problems, which I think is a really innovative way to, to use the brain power of people who do CTFs do something that's actually valuable. Um, they're they're find missing people with it, which is really cool. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. They work like local oh. investigators and stuff for you know people that have been kidnapped or anything. Parity mentioning just mentioned again there's uh, multiple like having multiple layers of uh, networks to pivot over, which is also also another thing you'll find like if you're pen testing an office site for example, like you might be like oh I can I'm the printer. How do I get to, you know, something better? And I'm the printer. Yeah, I, I am the printer. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's interesting real world stuff that would be better to see, I guess. Again, yeah. but more infrastructure is required to uh, like give people the opportunity to do that as opposed to download vulnerable.bin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, that's one of the things that I, I did like about OSCP, not saying it's an actual CTF, but just those kind of challenges um, and thinking that you're going to have to move laterally across a bunch of different things. Um, that's more of a real world thing. That's very valuable for people. <laughs> yeah, and I think... Basically uh, a CTF. Or CTFs are just based around OSCP because everyone's done it. Yeah, it's, egg. it's interesting as as well like um some of the people who have been around for a long time that make ctfs know about uh bugs that we just don't see anymore just like weird like you know i don't know like bug, like still in the same bug class of things we see but just weird ways that it's done that people don't write code uh like they don't write c that way anymore kind of deal and um yeah, exactly. and all of a sudden it's like whoa I've, you know, you might be like, I've audited, you know, 10,000 hours of C and I've never seen this kind of thing. What, what the hell? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, um, the, forgot, the forgotten bugs. Yeah, speaking of forgotten bugs, nobody has any forgotten bugs that they want. They're trying to uh, see if people are still using them. Um, talk to them. Um, <laughs> we've been investigating the use of old bugs in modern um, software or modern attacks. So at very small egg on Twitter. Um, and also um, Murdoch, you'd asked how what kind of budget is required to run a CTF. Honestly, it can be anything from free to whatever you want to put into it. If you're trying to do something that's say um, you know, a box that you have to break into, it's 
is going to cost whatever it costs to run the box. Um, but if you're trying to do something with like a crack me or something, it's just whatever time you need to put into it. Much it's going to cost. Yeah. If people are looking for software to you know get them started, that like a lot of CTFs run CTFD for the scoring and Jeopardy servers, and like whether it's like sign up scoring, um, you know, graphing, all that kind of stuff. So CTFD is on the internets. I should probably yeah. provide some of the link. I mean, to try and actually play with that. That's some of the stuff that you is the most important thing to lock down too. <laughs> yeah. So actually, that reminds me. So one of the um, challenges, one of the CTFs. Um, I think it was at RuxCon one year, actually. Um, uh, one of the teams was straight sniffing, um, <laughs> sniffing the submissions to the to the uh, scoring server, and then just uh, resubmitting the flags. <laughs> they did quite well. Damn. And yeah. also, I mean, if resources are what's limiting you from creating a CTF, I'm sure there's people you can reach out to that are willing to pitch in. Yeah, time more so than anything is the, <laughs> the costliest bit. Oh, Lord Parody remembers it was. It was Kitten. Yeah. <laughs> he just said uh, he got six in that CTF because he, all of his spikes got sniffed. Tactics. I guess that's another thing I guess we didn't really mention now that we're coming to the end is like CTF, like flag submission tactics. Um, like, do you take the extra points by submitting them? As soon as you find them before anybody else, or do you save them all up and smash them at the end so nobody knows that challenge has been solved? It's all different. Submit mine and I Sorry, Ian, what was it? I submit mine. I don't have that kind of patience. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> you can't just sit on the bug for like the whole day. Like, come on, I'm going to get it. Nah, not really. <laughs> Um, so yeah, does anybody have anything else to say before we uh, get going tonight? Uh, Tinker Fairy, who's also on here right now, and I are um, with CTF Circle putting on the CTF for Diane initiative at DEF CON, and it's um, going to be really fun. And if people are in Vegas in August and want to play it, come play it with us. And it's co-ed like on like, literally everything we've ever done. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there uh is it just gonna be in like the like where at in the casino is it gonna be or it's part of the Diana initiative, so it's uh and I think think you're very correct me if I'm wrong. I think you maybe have to have a Diana ticket to play. Um Yeah, you you do because it's in it's in the West and, and so to be up in those rooms and in that part of the venue then then you have to have a a ticket but also it's cheap and there's tons of other cool stuff going on there that's yeah. actually a, another interesting ctf thing that's uh, come up in the past questionable team tactics uh allowing remote players to play with vpns into the uh team you know well, it's been done ridiculous who would do that <laughs> <clears throat> just getting like the best hackers you know against a bunch of high school kids yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who would do that yeah geez i don't know hackers maybe uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so cool all right well thanks everybody for coming and hanging out and talking about this um 
very important discussion and hopefully it inspires people to write some of their own challenges, start playing some stuff on their own and really think about you know, what, what value they can take from it because there can be quite a lot. Um, thanks to everybody for you know, cheering <laughs> to uh, called uh, donating to us on Patreon and in general being our ride or dies. Um, we'll have more information. Please contact IOTCTF on Twitter. That's just six letters, IOTCTF, and we will get you in touch with us um, in our channels to help us design this crazy challenge that I, I don't even know. It's going to be insane. So <laughs> I'm just really excited for it. There's a lot of really cool ideas that we can implement a lot of the stuff that we've discussed here and hope the other CTF organizers um, can help implement some of the things that everybody in the chat is talking about today too. Um, so yeah, with that, um, thank you guys so much for, for hanging out and we'll see you next week when we talk to Hacknar about BLA CTF. So I'll see you. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so see ya. <laughs> Bye. Get our VPN club. Yeah, oh yeah, I forgot too, in our notes, we have a dollar VPN club t-shirt that was designed by somebody that cost that is being sold at the cost of a shirt from Teespring. Um, and so it's the cheapest shirt you can possibly buy from there. And it's just the dollar VPN club logo and it says free DVC on the back. Um, so if you're interested in just having that because dollar shave club is super annoying about their trademark infringement, um, have fun with it. I don't know, that's all I can say. Um, See ya. Later, skaters. Later. Pasta. Awesome.